Hello, everyone, and welcome to another episode of Autism Stories. I'm your host, Doug Bletcher, the founder of Autism Personal Coach. Autistic people are the true experts of the autistic experience, and Autism Stories is where we interview autistic people to learn from their stories, experiences, and get their insights. If you would like to be notified about each week's episode of Autism Stories, we suggest you subscribe on your favorite podcast listening platform. We would also appreciate it if you could give us a positive rating and review, as it will help others to learn about Autism Stories. On today's episode, Tina Beams joins us to discuss the impact of stress on the body and how living in a van has impacted their life. We hope you enjoy today's conversation. Tina, thanks so much for joining me here on Autism Stories. Hi, thank you. I really appreciate you taking the time. Uh, And I'd like to start out by learning where does your story in the autistic community begin? About two years ago or so, my partner got diagnosed with ADHD, um, and that kind of led both of us down this journey of neurodivergency and what that means. Honestly, really wasn't something I'd heard of. Um, We were both 39 at the time, so it says a lot about how much it's not really talked about. And then that kind of turned into conversations about autism. And I, as the good partner, I wanted to do research and and really, you know, learn what this meant and how it affected her. And as we both kind of learned about it, I started to realize that this was sounding more and more like me (laughs) and my life. Um, And it was it was a lot because it wasn't something I'd ever occurred to me. I, you know, again, being 39 years old and having this presented to you at the first, you know, chance of a conversation on neurodivergency was was a wild process. And, you know, uh, as I learned more and started reading books, um, the one that really uh, spoke to me the most was Unmasking Autism by Dr. Devin Price. And um, it just made it 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 made me feel very deep things because of how true it rang to my life. And realizing that I was so masked my whole life. And wow, this makes so much more sense. All these things that didn't make sense, that I couldn't figure out why I was anxious, why I was depressed, why, you know, I had all these thoughts and feelings is because I was masking. And it was masking these things that I was told not to do. Don't do this. Don't be this. Don't be that. Be this. Be that. And so just mask, 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 mask. And I have, you know, the privilege to be able to do so you know uh, the movements and things like that um the stimming um i was able to you know play sports and and just run around a lot and i know that's a, you know a privilege for a lot of us to be able to just run and, and get all that energy and things like that but it also was very detrimental to my mental health i general having general anxiety disorder um major depressive disorder i've you know i've dealt with a lot of really deep dark things for for most of my life and never understood why and realizing I was masking every part of myself was a big big revelation now being autistic is just one identity that we have and we all have different identities that play significant roles in our lives so you are a Korean adoptee how how do you see those identities impacting your autistic experience so just to 
brief um, background. I was adopted when I was six months um, from Korea. Um, in Korea, my parents at the, were stationed there at the time. My dad worked for the Army Corps of Engineers. And so uh, Korea was only the second, I believe, international country that allowed adoption. So a lot of Americans there were um, adopting um, Koreans in need, especially a lot of female babies who, you know, parent, uh, families could take care of, et cetera, because of similar but not quite uh, as harsh as the china you know one child rule it was similar to that um it just wasn't spoke about as as intensely but it was kind of the mentality and so a lot of korean girls that needed homes and since international adoption you know was allowed they adopted me but you know at six months you go from a completely korean household korean language korean food environment everything to an american household where only english is being spoken american foods cultures uh, practices etc and so at six months i think now realizing that was that was my first mask that was um the assimilation at six months old to be thrown into a completely different environment it's you know if you've ever traveled and you go to a different environment where you don't know the language the food the culture where you are what's going on there's a lot of things happening you know, that happened to me immediately at six months. Um, and then we moved from Korea when I was three. And I think because the language barrier, the cultural barrier, there's a lot of different aspects that happened, but a lot of the signs of me being autistic got missed because I was quote unquote gifted. I was highly intelligent. I could I could see things and I could I could replicate them. I could parrot them. I think it's kind of that, you know, processing that I could just mask really well, looking at patterns of recognition and and things like that, being more introverted and, and watching versus participating. So learning the rules of how to be American, how to be, you know, all these other different things, how to be more, quote unquote, you know, normal in a neuro, uh, neurotypical society. Um, a lot of those things happened from the very beginning of my life. And it just sort of a, an education in masking right from the beginning. And so I just put on all these different masks of what I should be and what I shouldn't be being Asian in a very uh, in a white family, in a white community, I am non-binary, so not, you know, doing um, a lot of the things that little girls are supposed to do, you know, playing sports and running around and getting dirty and things like that, you know, um, but still having more feminine qualities, having long hair and, and wearing pink and things like that. So it was very confusing in that sense. I was closeted queer for a long time. I just learned how to mask, how to pretend to be other people, whatever that was around me, I was able to learn and and see those kind of recognitions and, and study almost um, what you are supposed to do. And that has just led to just this lifetime of masking and, and being really good at it until things kind of just broke down. And learning that I was autistic, you know, just kind of helped uncover a lot of that. On social media, you recently had, I think, a really important post on how being stressed and how the body responds is really natural. I know when I'm stressed that I'm stressed about being stressed and looking for ways to not be stressed. So how do you look at stress when it is occurring in your life? Well, I think one of the biggest things is understanding what stress is and how it works. Um, and understanding that is important to understand how to let it go. So Stress is, it works on a spectrum too. It's, it's a defense mechanism. It's, it's, it's telling you to pay attention. Um, sometimes it's a whisper and sometimes it's screaming at you for to fight for your life or, or run like hell, kind of like a dimmer switch. 
Uh, for example, if you're if you're out on a hike and you you're you're walking along and in the distance you see a mountain lion, your stress might peak a little bit, right? Maybe that's small. It's in the distance, you know. You see it, okay? That's that's a little concerning, but it's okay. Um, that mountain lion turns and it looks you in the eyes and you make eye contact. You know it sees you. Okay, the stress goes up a little bit. It starts to walk towards you. Stress goes up higher. It's getting closer. Stress goes higher. We're at like a five, a six, a seven, maybe on that stress scale out of ten. Uh, now it's chasing you. It's higher. Now it's right on top of you. Stress is so intense. You're fighting for your life. It is painful even. And it's hard because stress is stress is stress is stress. Your your brain doesn't know the difference between real life threatening danger, that, that mountain lion on top of you, or you're stuck in traffic and you're late. Or, you know, for us, when, it, when our sensory input is hypersensitive or our brain is hardwired to over-process a sensory stimulus, an overhead light can feel like looking directly into the sun. Um, or, you know, a dump truck can sound like sitting next to a speaker turned on full blast. Our bodies will respond accordingly and just say, stop, stop now at all costs, run, fight, something. And for a lot of us, it's disabling because it's so intense that it hurts physically. And certain stimulus can be so, uh, um, be so overwhelming. It's, it's like fighting the mountain lion. It's exhausting. And then there's the other part of the defense mechanism, which is fear and, and fear of, of that pain, uh, whatever that pain is pain mapping that happens in your brain that says don't do that again like uh you know like if you've ever put your hand on the stove by accident you learn really quickly not to do that you remember that and the higher the stress response the deeper the grooves of that pain map kind of like a well-walked trail um and it, it's not that stress is the problem it's just that we need time to recover that's the other side of our nervous system which is the rest relax digest that's the part where we want to get rid of the stress so we want to go to that side of things but when we're chronically stressed we never fully recover, and depending on how stressed we are, we recover very little. And this leads to mental and physical health issues, anxiety, depression, exhaustion, irritability, cognitive problems, burnout, etc. And it's hard when our senses are overloaded from a lot of different sources all the time. It's overwhelming and, and stressful just existing, especially in the modern world, especially if you live in the city versus more natural settings. We're always kind of just sitting in these low levels of stress all the time. So physiologically, if we understand that this is what stress is and how our brains process these things and what it does to our bodies as far as the fear response and, the, you know, I don't want to go back to pain and I have all this energy, we, we need to fight or, or run away, right? Uh, which is movement, which is why, you know, we're told things like exercise. But movement in any capacity is great. So walking, stimming, rocking back and forth, um, these are all attempts to soothe the energy that stress brings. Um, and some of that is because adrenaline is one of those hormones that's released when we're stressed because we need to increase blood flow and, and filter these hormones out. So that's one way, right? The the movement aspect. We're told, to, you know, I'm sure you hear sometimes like go out of nature um, and it's like, okay, I'm outside now what? And, you know, and it's, it's kind of hard because uh, we don't really know why we're out there and what the point is. And I feel like um, understanding that, the, you know, natural sunlight makes a big difference. There's not a lot of noise. So that stimulus kind of goes down. Um, there's a lot of research on just seeing plants, trees, things like that, and that, how that reduces stress. Things like panoramic views, the top of the mountain, beaches. We love panoramic views because it allows us to see that there's no threats nearby. It, it, even just getting out of the little box that we live in with walls, Right? That can be helpful because it, it can be very confining and that's stressful. Um, so these things that are like go along with the modern society, they 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 just keep us under these low levels of stress. We don't even realize it. We don't know where it's coming from. It's like 
noise coming from the background. You're going, where is it coming from? Right. It's just that low level stress. And so we're kind of agitated. We're, we're feeling these things. And, and if our senses are, are more heightened, then it's even more stressful, just simple existing. So um, the, one of the other big things that you hear about is uh, breathing. Uh, it's a way for us to kind of biohack our body and say, hey, it's okay, brain. We're not being chased. We're not being attacked. You're safe. That's what deep breathing tells your body. You know, uh, doing a couple of these things at the same time, walking and breathing, stimming and breathing, uh, breathing fresh air and looking at a tree and and uh, stimming or moving or whatever else, right? These, these things kind of layer on, um, but just allowing you to tell your body that you're safe through these deep breathing practices. Something interesting about you is that you live the van life. How did that this experience come about to you in uh, living in, in a van? Uh, well, you know, um, I, I realized even before um, really Zoom um, that I was autistic that I I just don't function well with a forty hour work week. I knew that I needed to do something where I could work a little bit less than that. So. I've been a personal trainer for the last 15 years um, and that allows me to train, you know, 20 hours or less and still make enough money to, to live. But, you know, spending most of my, my life and my career in San Diego, California is not a cheap place. The cost of living has just gotten really, really bad. And it was just one of those things where I think kind of in a fight or flight kind of mentality, I just got so stressed out, so burnt out, so worried about money and, you know, just feeling a lot of um, society just wasn't made for me, you know, um, just kind of learned really quickly that, you know, van life is something that I could do. I could be out in nature more often. I could have less stress. Um, I, my bills weren't as high. I don't have to worry about that. It's environmentally friendly. There's a lot of positives to it. And it's kind of an unconventional way to live. I know that's kind of a wild thing for people to think about and, and, and go, oh, I, I don't know if I could do that. But I think when you kind of get pushed to the to the edge and you go, look, I can't do this anymore, so let me try something new. And this seems like a pretty cool idea. I don't really follow the conventions of society anyway. I might as well try it. So my partner and I um, have been doing it for about six months or so, and it's been a wild ride. <laughs> so for some of our listeners that might be interested in, hey, is this van life for me or, or not? What, what are some factors you think they should consider in determining if this is the right um, housing situation for them? You know, it, it, it really isn't for everybody. Um, there is um, a lot of privilege in being able to move around easily. You got to step in and out of the van. There's a, you know, it's a lot of small spaces. Um, there, you don't get to have your 50 inch TV and, you know, all your stuff and, you know, the, the space is limited. So that's kind of tough. So you have to get rid of a lot. You have to let go a lot of material stuff. It's whatever you can fit in that van. And that's not a lot. And that can be hard for some people. Depending. So for, for us uh, being, uh, you know, people of color, being queer, um, we're both not binary. Um, there's some spaces that are not safe for us. There were states that we couldn't go through. There were states that we had to drive through and not stop because we were concerned that maybe there may be issues with racism, homophobia, et cetera, that we were not going to be safe. Um, so safety is an issue as well. There's a lot of uh, time to sit with yourself um, and just be with yourself, which is lovely in some senses and hard 
to to have to really address some of the things that you've been kind of shoving to the backs of your corners of your mind. They they come forward and you have to address them and that can be difficult. But ultimately, you know, for us being out in nature uh, and having the freedom to be in different places and see different things and, and experience a lot of different stuff without being in the center of a city um, was really, really helpful. Again, society's rules just really don't haven't really applied to us for a lot of reasons. And and so we get to kind of make our own rules or out there in the middle of the desert or a forest. You know, for us, the environment is really important and it's very environmentally friendly. You know, we don't we use such little water. We get our energy from solar panels. Um, we just have a really, really low carbon footprint uh, because we sit and don't drive for, you know, two weeks. So we just hang out in nature. And so we're not driving around, commuting to work or going to the grocery store, doing things like that. We just, you got to have to plan a little bit more. So there's a lot of pros and there's a lot of cons and it's not for everybody. But if it's something that you can do and you want to do, the way that we looked at it was, well, we're not getting any younger. Um, it's only going to get harder as the environment changes and uh, more people want to do this. So why not? And honestly, it was scary and it was absolutely terrifying at times. I mean, it was really difficult at times, but I'm so incredibly glad that we did it because it helped us in so many ways is, you know, on our trip uh, is when we started to really look into autism and neurodivergency and, and really dove into it. We had the time, we had the, the mental space to sit with these things and address a lot of these these traumas and things that we had kind of shoveled to the back of our brains and and really had to go through it and it it was tough um but it helps to be in nature to be able to breathe and have the time and not be overworked and things like that on social media you've talked about the importance of community for you even though you have social anxiety and you want to find people to talk about your favorite topics with. So so what are some of those favorite topics? Uh, well, if you couldn't tell already, I get very excited about uh, wellness and fitness and things like that. That's a, that's a big piece of it. I'm lucky that I've found something that I'm truly passionate about that, um, you know, helps other people too. So for me, wellness is not like, you know, spas and, you know, goop and face products and stuff, which kind of is just a watered down version for me, wellness is, you know, the physical aspects of things. So like movement, nutrition, food, cooking, things like that. Um, I love systems of these things, which is probably why I'm a personal trainer. Um, but the mental aspect, um, you know, psychology, sociology, the understanding of the human mind and how it works, the, um, then there's the emotional side. So of course, uh, emotional regulation and, and stress reduction and things like that. Uh, spirituality is part of wellness. So Having a, a purpose, something bigger than yourself. It doesn't matter what your religion is or if you have one at all, but it's about just having that bigger sense of purpose, something that you're driving towards, something that gets you up every day and goes, wow, I really I, I excited to do this thing, even if maybe you're not every single day, but it, there's still something there. The social aspect of, of having a community of people who you want to be around, that you support, that you understand each other. Uh, and even things like environmental, like I talked about, you know, proximity to nature and things like that. But, um, you know, there's pollution and, and different cultures and, you know, different aspects of media that influence your life. So, the, you know, the physical, mental, emotional, spiritual, social, environmental systems that we all live in, how they affect us. I love talking about that. I love learning about that. I want to know more about that. And that goes along with, you know, understanding each other. 
besides all of that, I mean, obviously that's a, a big part of my life, but outside of that, um, I spend a lot of time playing video games uh, to disconnect a little bit, kind of get those little hits of dopamine and just, you know, relax a little bit. Very much into, um, not as much now because I live in a van, but uh, woodworking and like building things. I actually built the van out entirely by myself. Um, and so that's part of it is it's kind of nice to have a functional uh, fun time. Is that something new woodworking for you? Or do, I mean, did did you learn about that? Is that self-taught? Because I can't imagine I could build anything in this lifetime. <laughs> Um, so I took woodshop, uh, in high school to, uh, I was like a 10 week or however many week program it is in high school, took woodshop once, learned how to use the tools and then YouTube, mostly blogs and things like that. I just, from that information taught myself because it just was so interesting and exciting and, and working with wood makes sense. I'm very logic minded would make sense. It's, it's. It just, uh, once you understand it and how it works, it, it just makes sense. And you can kind of almost make anything if you understand some basic things, at least in my brain, it does. <laughs> well, I do love wood, but I don't know if it makes sense to me. And <laughs> 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 uh, lastly, how can our listeners learn about you and maybe build a community with you beyond this interview? Yeah, um, I think that if, any of this kind of resonates and and you go mad i'd like to know more about that or i'm into that too or i could talk about that forever i mean the whole point of my my page was you know i, I have community in the name for a reason and and i just felt like i wanted to connect with other people because this was so new to me um and realizing that i had a lot of people in my life that I don't feel comfortable unmasking around because I don't know how they're going to respond. Makes me realize that I don't have as many friends as I thought. Um, I don't think I can connect with people on a deep level if they don't un even understand, you know, the basic levels of how my brain even works and how it presents itself and things like that. So I found that, you know, both my partner and I, um, both being, you know, neurodivergent, realized, wow, we really want to connect with other people that that get it. I don't want to have to explain myself. I don't want to feel weird about stimming. I don't want to, you know, have someone go, why are you talking so much or so fast or so loud or, or about this one topic? I don't care anymore. You know, it's, it's those little things that I think that even just following more autism accounts and realizing, you know, and, and recognizing people's experiences and their stories that, you know, we're all kind of looking for that. And I just kind of wanted a place where people could have that, understanding they can reach out to me and you know comment on my page or, or dm me and just say hey i need community too or just i need someone to vent to or i need someone who understands and just isn't going to tell me to like do something or give me advice or things like that i just i just want to connect with people and just and just feel like part of a community i i post a lot of stuff about you know the stuff that interests me of course the wellness stuff is a big piece of it and i think that uh I'm going to be posting more about these things to kind of break down these these really kind of complex sciencey things and and break down why you know generally neurotypicals or Western you know culture society says do these things and we go well I don't know that doesn't seem to work for me and and kind of break them down and go look no it does it's just harder or we have more obstacles or we kind of have to have a a cheat code that goes this way and 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 do things a little differently because our brains work differently and I understand your experience and so. Anyone who just kind of 
resonates with that, um, you know, masked, late diagnosed or self-realized autists, people who are excited about uh, wellness, video games, you know, just anything. Someone who just wants to talk, like, I just, I just want to be part of that. And I know that that's a big part of community is, is interacting with each other. And I really just um, want to do that. And anyone who's, who wants that and needs that, I'm here. Well, Tina, thanks so much for um, the time and getting to know you. Uh, and hopefully this is the first of many conversations we have. Yeah, it's fantastic. I'd love that. I really appreciate your time. Thanks so much to Tina for the conversation. To learn more about Tina, please check out the link in the podcast description for this episode. We always love hearing from you and would especially love to hear from you relating to this episode on if you have ever considered making a radical and non-traditional change to your living situation, such as van life. We'd really like to hear from you on how making that change has impacted you and how it's going so far. Here at Autism Personal Coach, our clients are the experts, our coaches are the guides. The majority of supports for our autistics are not helpful. They try to fix us, not support us. That's why many are confused when we say our clients are the experts, experts of their lived experience. Our clients are the experts for what has worked for them and about the things that they need and want in their lives. Our coaches first listen to our clients and then ask thoughtful questions, offer resources, and strategize with our clients so they can get what they need to thrive. Would you want a guide in your life to coach you to help you get the things you desire? If so, then visit AutismPersonalCoach.com for more information. I hope you enjoyed this episode of Autism Stories, and if you did, if you could tell a friend, foe, or anyone you know about it so they could have the same enjoyable and educational experience as you when listening to Autism Stories, it would be very much appreciated. Until next time, I'm Doug Butcher of Autism Personal Coach. Talk to you then.